Hey everyone, thank you for joining Brian Barcelona's podcast. To know us, we're a missions movement in Dallas, Texas, going after youth being saved, discipled, and sent. Brian Barcelona is the founder of One Boy Student Missions and the Jesus Clubs. To reach youth with us globally, download our app, The Jesus Clubs. We hope you are encouraged by this podcast. Well, man, I'll jump into, uh, thank you for taking the time, man. I'd love just to know real quick where you guys are from. You guys want to just post where you're watching from. Uh, that'd be incredible. Uh, I think the last three weeks, Corey, we've been able to reach now around around 25 to 26,000 people on lives. Um, it's been incredible. And then we've shifted all of our clubs online. So all the clubs across the U.S. are now doing online clubs or living. And so we're still reaching kids, discipling kids. And it's been really awesome. Way to go. Yeah. And if you guys are watching, too, we got a text number below if you all just want to stay connected with us. But I wanted to ask you, man, um, before we jump into like ministry stuff, you've been married how long? I've been married uh, 22 years. 22 years. And who liked you first? Um, it's a wild story. Our, is that We grew up in the same area. She went to a nearby school. So I knew her through sports. I mean, she's beautiful. I'd have probably liking her. But uh, we got saved you know, disconnected from each other two days from within each other. And we're part of the same season, the move of God in 1997. And I just fell in love with her. She has a beauty, she's an anointed prophetic singer, worship leader. And, um, and, uh, and so, yeah. And so we, uh, and so I just, you know, I fell in love with her then. And so we got married August 1st, 1998. And I love this girl, man, 22, 22 years of marriage. She loves me. She's kind. She's godly. Yeah. And she provokes me to love Jesus more. And it's so awesome, man. It's been, a, it's been an awesome. I wouldn't, I mean, we've been glorious days, intense seasons, and I'm just so happy. I love That's my wife, awesome. Dana. She's amazing. And what, and what would you say, like, has been the, one of the main components? Obviously, I know Jesus is main component of your relationship on a practical level of how you live that out. What's been the key thing for you? Uh, to have a to have like a healthy relationship, twenty two years, prayer movement, I mean ministry. You hear so many destructive stories of yes. people in ministry. How have you guys gone twenty two years? And man, you are still passionately in love with your wife. Yeah, man. I think it. I mean, I think that you grow into respect. You watch the raising of kids together, the the the, the communication, the hours of just talking with each other. And then you walk through some real hard seasons. We lost a son in 2013. Wow. And and that just forges you together. And then you just grow in respect when you hit when you hit those seasons of life. And so here we are, 22 years old. And I'm just stunned by the decisions she's made, the way she's chosen to keep her heart before the Lord to not quit, not give wow. up, and to push into Jesus. And then it's just communication. It's the staying connected with each other at the heart level and fighting for connection yeah uh, has been the has been the uh the, the journey and and what's brought us to this point that's awesome and you have all daughters now or yeah i've got a 20 year old daughter this is my so trinity is my 20 year old uh maya is my 17 year old and i have a hadassah who is nine years old wow now i'm a dad uh, my daughters are four and two, so they're not 
they're asking for slime and puzzles right now. They're not asking for nothing too expensive. Yeah, yeah. What what what, what advice or what would you tell me? What do I have coming towards me that I have no idea? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I love these girls, man. They're they're just awesome. I find just take advantage of a four to two years old. Take advantage of these seasons. Play hard. Play hard, and what you'll find, get them in the anointing, win their hearts in friendship and in play. Because I find that the more we play together, the more we're going to be able to pray together in the coming years and be able to run together wow. in God and in life. And so just win their hearts, fight for them, protect them, keep them in you, and just have fun with them. And um, we've just had a lot of fun. These are, these are, they're growing up into dear friends of mine. And I just, she just did an hour set. And I'm on the floor weeping. And you, and you just set them up. You put them in the environment with God. They get their divine encounters. And then they turn around and they call wow. out to the things that you. And, um, and I just love it, man. I, I, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I'm most ill-equipped guy. I'm, I'm just real honest. Lots of I'm sorry. Lots of. Yeah. Lots of, you know, lots of I'm sorry, lots of doing it wrong, but then coming again. And they they know their dad and they, they, they know my heart and they have my heart. That's awesome. And are they all different? Are they alike or? No, they're, they're quite different. Maya's more of the introvert, more of the quiet one, more of the contemplative one. Trinity's an extrovert. She's high, needs, needs to connect with people all the time. And, Social life and Hadassah. <laughs> Hadassah's gonna, she's gonna change the world. Um, Hadassah's <laughs> just fire. I got all strong girls though. They're strong in all their and so uh, their strength in different ways, but just being able to find out what their bend is and calling that out. You know, that's, that's awesome. Worst, uh, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. So I think it's discerning the way they should go. Wow. And what's their way into God and calling that out and speaking into it at divine seasons. Wow. And uh, and so for Maya, it's it's we knew I had had my most profound encounter with God in 2002 out of the book of Jeremiah. And I came out of a three day weeping season saying, God, and I was crazy. I said, honey, I want to have a kid and I want to name him Jeremiah. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, we got pregnant shortly after. I was for sure it was a boy because that's what Jeremiah is. Yeah. Went, went through two ultrasounds. Couldn't tell what, what boy or girl. And then March 4, 2003 comes and she comes out. Yeah, you take a ride. We'll go. Yeah. And then, so we knocked off Jaron and named her Maya. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, so yeah, we named her Maya. So she is the compassionate, prophetic worship leader. Yeah. Wow. Um, and and then, you know, and then Trinity. Anyway, all of them are just that way, man. We just That's every one of them. That's amazing. You know, I was thinking right now um, how I when I first met you, and I don't I don't know if I've ever told you this story. Maybe I have, but I I actually met you in Northern California in two thousand and. I think it was 2010 or 2009. You probably won't remember, but I was, you were preaching at ammo conference, Jeremy Johnson. Oh yes. I remember. And I was at the front bawling my eyes out. Uh, you had put on your track and you were praying 
And I remember I was in that front row. I was maybe eight, maybe 19 years old at the time. And uh, it was 10 years ago. And I remember I told the Lord, I said, Jesus, if you love me, will you let Corey Russell give me a hug? I said, if you love me, let him hug me. And the service ended. You ended up leaving. And I was like, well, God, you know, my faith, I know you love me. <laughs> my buddy ends up saying, hey, could you give me a hand? We got to move some chairs. I said, sure. So I walk in the back. I open the door and you're standing there and you look at me and you go, hey, buddy, good to see you. And just hug me. And you probably don't wow. even remember that, but that was a profound moment that I had with you. Um, and so even just being here, I was just remembering, man, God's God's incredible like storyline. It's just so cool. So cool. Dude, I don't do that either. That that's that's awesome. Like this way. And so I love it, man. I I love it. I ever since I've seen you, man, I I mean I we begin to connect more probably about three, four, five years ago. Yeah. I love it when the Lord does that stuff, though. I don't even remember it. Yeah. So it must have been for heaven. And I don't normally do it, you know, just like that. And so. Yeah. That's awesome. Heaven. That's awesome. But I, I, remember, know you're, I remember ammo, man. My goodness. Powerful. <laughs> yeah. And you're in Dallas now. Yeah. We spent 18 years in Kansas City at IHOP. And then we've been the last year and a half at Upper Room in Dallas. That's awesome. I talked to uh, Pastor Michael last week. Um, I just needed some advice, and so I gave him a gave uh, gave him a call, and he was incredible. Oh, dude, he's amazing! I love. How him. are you like living there? We love it. We love it. It's a lot bigger than Kansas City, but I'm <laughs> finding my rhythm. I'm finding my way, and uh, I'm just loving all the young people and being able just to mark them with prayer, fasting, a life of going after God, and then being able to run with them. You know, when you hit, I, I'm just. They're inspiring me, man. I'm running with a really good group out here. Yeah. I'm just loving it. So good. Well, man, I wanted to ask you, my wife here, but maybe briefly, you can just share your salvation story. I know I've heard I've heard it before, but uh, maybe for people who haven't heard your story, we're going to be reposting this as well on YouTube um, for tons of people to watch. We'd love to know, like, how did you get saved? Because I don't know if you were born a man or just prayer, if that was in your natural DNA. Well, first off, I see Joe Figueroa on here, one of our main worship leaders from Upper Room. He says, Corey gives me hugs often. And so he's one of my Levites. He runs with me there at, at Upper Room. And uh, I love Joel. I love him so much. And, uh, yeah, I love that dude. So, anyway, I just want to say I love you, awesome. Joel. Um, dude, in 19, I grew up. I'm from northwest Arkansas. And uh, long story short, Went deep into drugs, deep into all that stuff, and uh, ran with running with a guy, a, a buddy of mine. But he had a, one of Pentecostal praying mom that was devil come out or I'm coming in after you come <laughs> on. And she would just pray, pray down heaven. And so my friend went through a four month season where he lost his mind. He wasn't talking anymore, and he was just weird. And you know you're weird when your meth head friends are concerned about you. <laughs> <laughs> and so. It goes on for four months, and then on February 1st, 97, I showed him at his day at, uh, at his house another day to hang out. He comes running out the front door screaming at me, it's heaven or hell, Corey, it's heaven or hell. You have to make a decision right now. Oh, my now. gosh. It's the first conversation I've had with him in four months, and he's screaming heaven or hell. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and it was, I grab my buddy, we leave, 
and it was known that he went through a powerful three-day deliverance. His mom wow. led him to a powerful deliverance. He gets saved. I get angry. Wow. I put up with a weirdo for four months, and he's getting saved. I felt betrayed. And um, and so two weeks later, he shows up in college, and I'm studying to be an elementary teacher. <laughs> and, um, and so he takes me to lunch, and he shared with me. He says, Corey, for those four months, the spirit realm was opened up to me. I was seeing angels and demons, seeing what was controlling wow. people. And I could see that you're being controlled by devils, Corey, and you need to repent and give your life to Jesus or you will go to hell. Oh, my God. And so, and so he's preaching my head off at lunch. I said, dude, by this time I had two DWIs. My license was gone forever. And I, but I was hard. And I said, dude, shut up. Take me back to school. I'm done with you. So he says, fine. So he drives me back to the school, and right before I get out of the van, the Holy Spirit filled the van. Wow. I mean, and I'm in a, and I, before I knew it, I'm beginning to, and the power of God's beginning to hit me, and I begin to shake violently, like I'm having wow. a seizure. And, uh, and, uh, I began to shake under the power of God, and I began to see like a tug of war battle between light and darkness over my soul. Wow. And, and at that moment, he pulled in the back of the parking lot. He starts praying. And after a little bit, he goes, in the name of Jesus, I bind the Antichrist spirit. He went, I guess his mom taught him one prayer. <laughs> he went right for the jugular. <laughs> and so uh, he binds the spirit, and I literally can't breathe. But I knew wow. I had to get out the name Jesus. But all I could get out was Jesus. Wow. And I'm trying to say the name Jesus. But I can't get it out. He's in my ear screaming, say it, say it, say it. And all I could get out is Jesus. And then finally, I remember taking a deep breath. And with all the power inside of me, I just screamed, Jesus. And right when I screamed his name, the hole broke off my throat. And it was like God came and breathed into my mouth at that moment. And wow. um, after a couple of minutes, all I could say is I've got air, I've got air, I've got air. And after a couple of minutes, I heard the voice of God come into my mind. And the voice says, get out of the van, get on the pavement and give me your life, your mind. Oh, my gosh. So I jump out of the van. I'm in a college parking lot. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. This was February 18, 97. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I'm yours. Wow. And in that one moment, I passed from death to life. I was delivered of all drugs, alcohol, perversion in one moment. And and immediately set on fire. I went home that afternoon, about killed my parents by the life I'd chosen. And I was undone for the next two hours as I sat on my porch swing, my front porch swing, undone by how blue the sky was, how green the grass was, and how loud the birds were. Wow. And it was like I had been dead for 20 years, and I was alive. Wow. And I honestly... Haven't looked back. I began to connect with my best friend's mom and her friends. My first two years of salvation and these Pentecostal praying moms took me by the hand and they go, you don't, wow. need, to wait. You don't need to wait for your favorite song before you start praying. You got the <laughs> Bible and tongues began to lay hold of God and began to pull on the grace of God. They taught me Man. about early morning, late night prayer and praying through. And I cut my teeth praying with uh, some older intercessors. Wow. Now, I've been riding since, man. It's been amazing. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting because I, you know, I live in Los Angeles and I, one time uh, someone asked me, where, is there a lot of churches to go to where there's extreme power of Holy Spirit? 
I mean, there's a few. When I hear that story, I'm like, man, where are those gospel messages that deliver people like that? Um, you know, it's something that you don't really see. I yeah. think in today's churches and in today's church culture, when everyone's trying to be relevant and be clean. And I mean, that, that you look at your life and the fruits of your life and the things you've gone through and the sustainability. To me, I would say a good portion of that hinges on what took place, you know? Brian, I'm feeling... Even in this season, I've been leading a Bible study in the mornings, and we've been walking through. Our Matthew. team's been going on your Bible study. They have been getting wrecked in their homes on your Bible study. The Lord's the Lord's meeting us. And so we do one in the morning and then one at noon. And um, the Lord's been talking to me about what's about to happen with the, demo- the, the deliverance of the demoniac. I believe it says about that guy that he was living out in the tombs. He was the chain breaker. Nobody could control him. But as soon as he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and worshiped him. The Lord, Jesus delivered him. And I believe we're about to see a massive uh, uh, gathering of millennials and Gen Zers. The religion couldn't control them. Society couldn't control them. They were looking for something else. And I, I believe that there's coming power encounters like what I just shared. But it's about to hit this generation in a powerful way because we're going to the other side. That's the whole point. Jesus is going to the other side and we're about to see a a demonized generation get delivered and set on fire. And Jesus is going to commission them quickly to be evangelists. Wow. Why do you, why do you think we don't see deliverance like that? That's in the Bible and even what you experience, why is it something that's not seen in today's culture? You know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think what you, I think unbelief, I think lack of preaching on it, lack of expectation, lack of, of pushing in. I believe it exposes the lack of fasting in the church. And 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 so I, I think it's the lack of fasting because this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Wow. That, that our leaders, I don't I don't I, I think there's there's certain graces that come. I found in my life when I'm into the grace of fasting, that spirit of deliverance, that power of God that hits and delivers. And so I, I, I believe it's coming. We're, we're, we're going to get back to these days. I got expectation, but I think we've got to, we got to begin to preach on it, move into it and expect it. Yeah. You know, I did a live with Lou, I think a month ago, he spent about a month and he was sharing how Adam was tempted with the full belly and fell and Jesus was tempted with an empty belly and and crush the head you know like he just Come it's literally you know he's he's in his, in his chair he's rocking and and i you know what would you encourage people that are watching now like i feel like there's breakthroughs that you've gotten you know i've heard your story even with your son and and just i i admire that you've you've not just had this perfect life in the house of prayer never trials never tribulations but man when i see you you're you are burning more than when I seen you a decade ago. Yeah. And that, I mean, what, what would you say to people? How do they continue to sustain the flame through trials, tribulations, transition? You know what I mean? What, what would be like your advice to people that you would give them? Well, I, I just want you to understand in the Bible study, we've been hitting on this. Jesus asked the question in Matthew 16, who do you say that I am? Peter gets it. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And in their mind, they're thinking Messiah means you conquer all of the enemies of Israel and you're going to establish us, which means when you get Jesus, all your problems go away and you get awesome. You get more money, 
you get more stuff and more doors. <laughs> but it's so amazing because Peter gets the right definition of who Jesus is. But then it says, Jesus says, from that moment, he began to show them how he has to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die and be raised again. Wow. Which means you get the right paradigm. I am Messiah, but my mission and my methodology is through suffering. That I'm going to enter into my glory through suffering. Wow. And then what, what did Peter do? Peter goes from you're the Christ and the living God to Jesus. Ha-ha. We can get you to your destiny outside of a cross. We can get you through your desk to your destiny, wow. a shortcut around. And Jesus was not sympathetic with this. We would think Jesus would give him a hug saying, you're missing it. He said, Satan's talking through you right now. He says, wow. Satan, get behind me. You are an offense to me for you're mindful of the things of men and you're not mindful yeah. of the things of God. And I believe one of the greatest things is we don't understand that to enter into glory, you got to go through the valley of suffering. Suffering is part of the Christian experience. And, and there is something about walking, whatever that story is. It's not about who's worse, who's bad, but it's about understanding of knowing Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings that gives you a whole aspect and a knowledge of him and a glory in him that you don't get in other places. And I feel like we're stripping the gospel of saying you get Jesus and all your problems go away. And we've got to shoot that thing in the head. And begin to call a generation saying there is a discovery of God in the valley, in the suffering. And are you going to bail on him because it gets hard? He went all the way to the cross for you. You can go all the way through and that there is a place of resurrection on the other side of it. Man, so, well, what do you think of people that bail? I mean, not people, but what do you because I feel like this is I mean, I've been in missions and my early years was so heavy on struggle and suffering that it's it's almost made it easier to endure versus people that I see there. They've come into a, a more established one voice. Yeah. So some of the earlier sufferings of being hungry, not having gas money, you know, no one knowing what high school missions, the way we do it was, that's non-existent for them. We kind of paved that way. Yeah. What would you say it. to people like about embracing suffering? Like, I, I guess like in this current time, because to me, the level of suffering is almost... Like not weak, but it's like, man, your your biggest suffering is you didn't get that pair of shoes you wanted, or totally. you're having to drive lift and you know make a couple extra hundred bucks, but at least you could make a couple hundred extra bucks. Totally. Like, what do you think of the suffering mindset? I guess let me rephrase this: the suffering mindset we have in America. Like, is that real suffering or? Yeah, I I think the issue isn't so much about making suffering the picture or the goal. I think the issue is I want to know Jesus at all cost. And I want to know him no matter what. And I want to make him known at all costs. Wow. And I think that, I think a revelation of eternity and just say, God, I will go, I'm going after you. And I want to say this because I know you're touching a lot of young people. We, we get marked with the vision. God marks us at 18, 19, you know, the early years. We get marked, but we've got to begin to say, Jesus, you're the one driving the ship. Whatever it looks like, I'm saying I'm in this for you. So many people get fired up in their in their teens and their early 20s, but then they, they hit walls in their later 20s. And wow. then you begin to get disillusioned because you had ideas about how what you thought you would look like. And I think when you hit those walls, we can say, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And wow. the suffering is about clinging to Jesus. And can you press through all the other voices saying, take the bailout plan, take the easier way. 
And will you go all the way through into Jesus? And I think the suffering actually, I, I was looking at an old tweet today that I put, when your pain, when the greatest pain of your life is knowing Jesus more, you can endure anything. Dang. When that is the greatest pain is the gap between where you're at and where Jesus is at. If that's the greatest pain of your life, then you can endure the pain of being rejected, no money, going without whatever. It's because you're a man possessed with a vision of knowing him. How do I, uh, maybe this is a personal question. How do I lead people in such a way to embrace suffering? Because my natural instinct as a father yes. um, and just my personality, I want to keep people from suffering. Yes. I want to, I don't want my daughter to fall and get her, her leg scratched. I don't want, when my guy's struggling and he can't go buy that thing he wants, and I know that's probably not like crazy suffering, but my heart is to almost protect them from that. Oh, of course. And that's damaging them, I would say, in many ways, correct? Uh, I, I think for the most part, you've got the heart of a father. I've got the same heart towards my girls, towards the people that I'm around. We, we're fathers. We're shepherds. We want to protect them. But I, 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 I don't think that's, I don't think in and of itself that's wrong. I think it's signing them up. Jesus told them, if anyone desires to follow me, put your big boy pants on. <laughs> put your big boy pants on. Take up your cross. You're not just going to dance around mine. I got one for you. Wow. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to deny yourself, which means it ain't about you and how good God's making you presently feel. It's not about you. Deny yourself and then follow me. And understanding that following the lamb is going to have seasons that he offends you, that he provokes you, that he calls you out, and that you need to sign up for this on the front end. Jesus said, if you don't, he goes, he goes, you talk about the cost of following him. It'd be like somebody building a tower and getting halfway done and realizing they don't have what it takes to finish it. And, and I think understanding, okay, God, I'm in this thing. I don't know what it's going to look like. Please protect me, God. Be easy with wow. me. Be easy. Be easy. But God, I want to go after you. And I, I want you to help me. And I'm a lot weaker than I know. I'm a lot more prideful. And I'm more jacked up than I know. But I know you're going to carry me through it. And then he puts fathers mm -hmm. like Brian in your life to pick it up saying, you got this, buddy. Here's the electric bill for this month. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> That's yeah. our job as fathers is to cover the bill, encourage them, and say, we're going to get through this. So good. You know, you mentioned you were at IHOP for 18 years, and I I feel like this theme has been consistent in some of the lives I've done. I feel like for me, this is a season where I can't trust what I what I see. I have to trust what I heard. Mm -hmm. um, God wow. told me 10 years ago, every high school in America would be reached. Now every high school in America shut down. Hmm. So the biggest question is, did God lie or does it look different than how I thought it would look? And I feel like I'm having to, to, I'm literally having to trust what I heard, not what I see. Wow. In 18 years, I respect so much the longevity that you, that you have there. But was it always easy to remain in Kansas City? Was it always easy to stick to the place God called you before you went to, to Dallas? I mean, what would you say as people are watching, maybe God's called them to a city, to a region. I even feel like for One Voice, there's people that literally joined in January, hinging on that we're going to reach high schools in LA, and then everything is shut down. And I'm kind of like, hey, I don't really got, like, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I felt like a loser preaching on a phone in my garage, calling it revival. I've been, you know, I was used to going into school, South Central, Compton, seeing kids saved, 
<laughs> and now I'm like, you know, it's and it's not the same. I got guys who are filming, not now, but they're filming on Mondays. They're distracted in the back. I'm like, you're not even listening. And then I, I can't get crazy because I'm on a camera, you know? Um, totally. What I was haven't it like? stood up and prayed in a long time. I miss it. Yeah. And like, I feel like one, like for the longevity, 18 years in a season, like what is the keys to 18 years? What is the keys to, to almost two decades of remaining through highs and lows and all that you've fully endured and went through? Man, these are such good questions. Um, dude, I, I don't know. I, in regards to being obedient to the assignment that God has, for 18 years, I didn't want to move anywhere else. I knew God had called me there. There was grace on me. There was a calling and there was a purpose. I wasn't worried about what's next. I was worried about being faithful to what he called me to. And I said, God, when, when you want me in a new place, that's on you. That's on you. Yeah. I'm not going to concern myself with this. I'm going to be faithful with what you've spoken to me. And so that's what helped me that. Now, God used it, it. Like I shared earlier about the loss of our son in 2013. What I began to find is that we were on a sabbatical as a family in 2016. And the Lord began to talk to me out of Acts chapter eight to where persecution came to Jerusalem and the disciples were scattered. And the Lord began to tell me, Corey, I will allow pressure and difficulty and tragedy to get you to a new place in the will of God. And, and I began to reinterpret that pressure because I'm the kind of guy, I'm a loyalist. I'm going to go down with the ship. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm, I've got military in my background, my, my grandparents. <laughs> I'm missing limbs. We're in pollution. And so, and so I'm, I'm doing it, but the Lord says, no, Corey, there are times to where I release storms to get you out. And I want wow. you to understand that you're in a season of transition. The Lord wow. told me that in 2016, but then I went two more years of saying, you set it up. I said, it's back on you. You set it up. I'm, I'm leaning in. I'm not loyal to anybody. I don't want to make, if can't, I want to be in the will of God. I love Kansas City. I love, so my, good. I love my friends. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to make an idol out of where I've always been, just out of safety. I want to yeah. be on the move with what the cloud is and what the will of God is for my life. And so that's what set up the storyline into getting to Dallas and Upper Room. And there's a whole prophetic swirl with that. Now, that's that. Now, staying faithful for 20 years, that's a different question. I mean, I, I would say it's doing what you signed up to, to do the things that you did in the beginning and to not quit. Now, for me, that was 6 a.m. prayer. I'm going to get there first thing. And God, I'm going to, I think in the years, what keeps you there? The mercy of God, the tenderness of God, his affections over you. When you want to quit, say, kiss me again, Abba. Release your wow. word on my heart. Whisper that phrase to me again. Tell me who I am again, God. His tenderness makes his tenderness and his gentleness. I believe, I believe not quitting of rising up in the seasons where you, you feel yourself uh, a waning, being in a community of people wow. that will sing your song back to you when you forget it. How many times I came dragging myself into that prayer room and some prophetic singer would start singing an oracle and my spirit would rise up. We've got to, that's why we need communities. That's why I love one voice is because we're building bands of brothers and sisters that sing your song back to you when you forget it. Wow. And, and that we need people that are that won't talk us out of a vision for fullness, but will say, let's do it. Because today I'm strong, but tomorrow I'm going to need your song. Tomorrow wow. I'm going to need when you're pushing the envelope 
and you're going in, I'm going to need you. And I think that iron sharpening wow. iron, it's the community. It's the vision of not quitting. It's his tenderness. And it's the grace of God. And say, God, I'm, I'm not going. I'm, I, wow. I don't want to be a statistic, God. I want to get old in the place of prayer. So good. You know, it's crazy because this last December, um, I hit I hit a decade of uh, preaching in schools in January. And last December was by far the hardest um, season for me. And it wasn't because my marriage was on strain. It wasn't because um, there was nothing that I could tangibly uh, relate what I was feeling. I just, it was, it was the only thing I could say is I felt like my calling was under attack, not my salvation. I love God. I knew I was going to serve God, but I went, I remember I went to Disneyland and I just thought, man, you know what? I'm so tired of ministry. I could totally work at Disneyland, man. Yes. Yes. Eat pretzels that are cheese filled and just love God here. Like, yeah, I, you know, I felt like when I came into the new year, there was, uh, there was a renewed strength when I had people that came around me. But even when we went into quarantine, I had, there was a, a, you know, it was a moment I was on my couch, just being real honest. And I sat there and I just put my head down and my eyes watered. And I said, honey, maybe God's just done with me. Maybe I've done all that I could do in schools. And, uh, you know, maybe high school missions is done. And, and she looks at me and she goes, what are you talking about? And the night before she'd had a dream that Bonky had walked into a room of leaders. And she said in the dream, she knew that she was serving people. And she said, she's seen this man on the floor who was weeping and Bonky looks at the room and he says, who's in charge here? And no one responds. And Bonky in his German accent, who's in charge here? And no one responds. And he looks at this man on the floor weeping. He goes, you're in charge. And the man stands up and just wipes his eyes. And he, the man gets courage. And my wife says, Brian, I believe you're that man. Yes. You're on the floor. You're broken. You're weeping. You don't know how to lead people. You know, everything you've built is shattered. You're, she goes, my wife, my wife just finished oh. the book of Jeremiah. She goes, she goes, God shattered your machine, Brian. How? He shattered your nicely oiled machine that you built and your nice little life that you built. And I'm just crying on the couch. And she's like, you got to lead. God is not done. And I just even feel as people are watching, like God is not done with your lives, man. I, I, 10 years, all these goals I had, I feel like I reached them. Now I'm at a point of what, what next God, you know, a man is no more, a man is no more qualified than he who believes in his deepest of heart that he's disqualified. (laughs) The whole first work of God is, is bankrupting your piggy bank is bringing you to the end of yourself so that he can, so that he can birth his dreams through your life. Wow. It, it's about to shift, Brian. It, you're in that season, man. You're getting into your chariot. Yeah. And, and Thank you, you man. There's something about coming to the end of yourself and hitting that wall that becomes the breakthrough into now Jesus's yeah. destiny through you. And so he just good. needed 10 years just to wear you out. So good. So good. Isaiah, good to see you, man. Isaiah Saldivar just jumped on. Come on, I. So, you know, it's crazy. I was even uh, texting Isaiah the other day, and he was saying, man, it's crazy how there was a bunch of us that got saved around the same time. And you look at over the years, the fall away. And to be honest, I I am most thankful 10 years later um, that I'm still saved. That my, you know, my, my, I've been married going on six years this year. But I do feel like I don't want to, like, I don't want to try to revert to what I've always known. 
you know, it's been it's been saved. There is such uncertainty right now, even in how we're going to function or or move forward. But I am excited that I can't predict. I don't know about you, but I hate when I can predict the church service. You know, yes. this will happen. This will happen. Two announcements, three songs of worship, offering plate. Like I love the unexpected uh, that takes place. That's just what I feel like the whole church is in right now. Yeah, we're we're in a divine go into your room and shut the door. Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in the secret place. And I, he who sees in secret will reward you openly. And I don't want to just endure this. I believe it's new normals. It's a new way of doing everything. And I think we need to come aside and actually look at the father, shut the door, shut the distractions and connect with him. Cause there's going to so be a whole new season coming out of this. So good. One of the things my wife would hear is what has been one of your hardest struggles that you've overcome in following Jesus? I feel like me and you are similar in personality types. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'm a man. I'm a go-getter. I will just continue to drive and I'll just go and go and go and go and go. Um, so I, I could sit here and talk hours of my own struggle. But what's been a struggle that you feel like, man, this was something that was really difficult for me to overcome? Um, you know, cause I feel like the typical ones you hear is I just need to read my Bible more. And obviously we all need to read our Bibles more, man. I, you know, but has there been like a struggle that God has brought you through in your journey? Yeah, I, I would say the, I mean, it's been everything. I mean, I, I, I keep reverting back to this, but when the last seven years I've been in a seminary with the loss of our son, when the floor falls out, wow. and when the floor falls out. You know, everybody, you're either, when tragedy hits, you're either a fighter or a flighter. Wow. You know, I've got three girls, two of them entering their teenage years, and I'm the most ill-equipped among men. I don't, (laughs) I don't, you know, you can stand in front of stages and preach people and they get touched and da-da-da-da, but how to go on the journey of learning how to become a shepherd, of growing in tenderness, of growing in me, of being present. And not living in tomorrow, but living in now, listening, hearing, and fighting for today while not getting depressed or hopeless or despairing because it's not looking exactly like what you think it's going to supposed to look like. I think battling through, getting delivered from, because I'm such a visionary, we're visionary, so we see what it's going to be, and that motivates us for today. But when it doesn't look exactly like that, and how to how to navigate a wife's heart who just, you know, just, just wants to quit, you know, girls' hearts that are, you know, just the pain of of walking through all those dynamics. I think just growing and becoming a shepherd has been the trial of my life of growing in that area because it's the most, it's taken the most forming and changing in me to get there. And I'm still in process. It's not like I'm through it. I'm, I'm learning how to become a shepherd. Uh, according to his heart, who knows how to feed people. And it, it says in Isaiah 50, he awakens my ear morning by morning to give a word in season to him who's weary. And I want to be able to not just preach at people and prophesy to people, but walk with people and bring forth people into the next season and endure the two steps forward, three steps back journey. So good. I feel like the Lord is, you know, it's funny because I we, we started doing a Monday service. Uh, it's so weird. Monday morning um, in one voice. And uh, 
I remember there would be times I was preaching really, I would, I thought they were really good messages, really good messages. And I'm like, man, this is so good. And as I was preaching it, I would think these thoughts. It's like I would be preaching, but I'm still thinking. Yes. And I would be thinking these these thoughts. God is going to require me to live everything I am saying right now. There were some things I would say that I would be like, so good. Oh, God, have mercy when I have to live that. Oh, my God. And I feel like almost like I was prophesying through my message the exact thing that I was going to need to walk through, you know. My wife, she allowed me to get a few tattoos this year, uh, and I got mercy and grace. And, and every time I get out of line, she goes, hey, read your wrist. Hey, read your wrist. Hey, read your wrist. And I I feel like the whole church is in this place where we are being forced to live that which we proclaimed for so many years. You know, Billy Humphrey came, uh, I think it was a, a few months back, and spoke to our community on a Monday. And when he was on the plane, he had a dream of me. And anytime someone says they have a dream, my first question, was it bad? If it's bad, don't tell me. Um, if it's bad, just pray, you know? Yes. That's my wife. Every morning I look at her, I'm like, did you dream? She goes, no. I said, okay, let's let's go have coffee, you know? Amen, amen. I so, can't hear from right now. Give me a yeah. breath. So he has this dream. And in this, I feel like this dream was larger than me, but he has this dream of me. And he says that I'm standing at this crossroads. And he doesn't know much of my personal life, Billy. And so um, I've collect, I used to collect shoes, um, you know, back before uh, Corona, uh, I used to collect shoes and he says he has this dream that I'm standing at a crossroads and there's two signs. And he says, one of the signs says ancient paths and the other sign says preachers with sneakers. And he, it, and he's like, does this mean anything to you? And I know what it means. This is the popular road. Everyone's taking the popular messages, the, you know, the culture that is rooted in what we were. And I'm not saying you can't have nice things, but it's rooted where the power you have is what you put on versus what you put in. Oh. And this is the road of ancient paths, the old ways. We certainly know my wife starts reading and going through it. And we're just, I'm blown away. And hearing you, Corey, I, I know that's been a message of your, yours, ancient yes. paths. Yes. Is there anything you can share real briefly on like what you feel like is foundational that we get in this season. What like everyone's talking about the oil in the lamps, the oil in the lamps. But what oil are we to put in our lamps in this current season right now? These ancient paths, these ancient ways, the oil in the lamps. What is what are we to put in right now? Dude, I mean Jeremiah six is the passage. He says, "Ask and go ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and you'll find rest for your souls." But Jeremiah's generation said, no, we don't want the ancient paths. And it says, and therefore they reap the judgment of their generation. I just want to say to everybody out there, it's about, I mean, I think the ancient paths in this season is, I, I really feel like this is a time to reform, refocus, reset, and to build everything new. And I'm going to sound like an old dude right now, but um, whatever. Um, I, I, I feel like one of the best things that you can do with your life is to go to bed by 10 o'clock and to begin to wake up by 5.30 and to begin to spend the first waking hour of every day looking at Jesus, reading the word with a quiet mind and beginning to fellowship with the Holy Spirit, beginning to build history with God, praying, praying in tongues for 20 to 30 minutes, reading the Bible and then crying when Bible verses jump off the page and you whisper them back to God and you just pace in your room and you put on a worship song and you sing to him and you cry 
and you're like, God, I never want to go back. I don't want to live in this world. God, make me, shift me into something. Because I, I don't want to dance around Brian's fire or Corey's fire or whoever the favorite preacher's fire. God, put me in the fire. I want to know you for real. Wow. And I think this is the season to start praying those prayers, to getting the oil. It, it, we, they, they make for great conferences and great impartations, but they're ugly. They're not sexy in the mundane. It's showing up. It's ugly you. And you go on a journey of finding out that God isn't as beautiful as you thought he was. And you begin wow. to confront your own boredom. And you confront your own boredom with the Bible. And you're like, I know there's a man on the other side of these pages. And I ain't going anywhere till I break through the pages into a living encounter with Jesus. And I feel like those are the ancient paths. That, there's no new way for this generation. I don't care how hip you are, how cool you look, or whatever. There is only one way that of reality that's going to move God, move angels, move demons, and move the hearts of men and women. And that's by getting reality in God. Man, man, that is so good. Ah, oh. so go to bed. Most of the stuff we repent for happens after ten, unless you're doing a prayer meeting. <laughs> man, <laughs> that is so good. We have Pastor Sam on as well. He's from Elevation Church with Pastor Stephen uh, out in, uh, awesome. in the Carolinas. It's good to see you, man. Uh, Corey, as we're finishing, man, um, would there be anything you'd want to say to young people that would watch this, to our community, anything that you would say, any, any, any encouragement that you would give uh, to, to people that are just watching right now, just from your own heart? That's not formed from a question I'll ask. Is there anything just on your heart? That, like, man, I just want to just leave you with this. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just shooting off the cuff here. but. Um... One is, I heard a couple of things. One is you have what it takes on the inside of you. The mark of God is in you and you have it. And uh, I just want to break off all the stereotypes off this generation and just say, you guys got it, man. I just know there's gold and we're about to see it uncovered. Two is, I would just say, you know, I would say be a little bit more quiet in these years. You know, I'm all about building and vision and stuff like that, but be a little quieter. I know Facebook and all the different, Social media on ramps make us professionals after six minutes of information. <laughs> but, but, but I would say really get quiet for about a decade. Let the, let the Lord build the certain things in you and go wow. with what's in your heart, but get around some people that are on fire. You know, uh, build the work ethic, build the time in with God, dig those wells that nobody ever sees. The glorious thing about the Matthew 25 wise virgins is they got history with God that wasn't about their ministry, it was the hidden life. And I feel like take these years and dig wells, dig wells, dig history, dig, dig, dig that secret place with God. Get around people that are on fire and, and have a little bit less to say in this season and, and just learn and receive and serve and work and build that muscle and uh, and, and watch what God will do with you. Uh, he'll blow your mind. So good. Thank you so much, Corey. Would you mind just praying for us, man? Yes, um, please. God, I ask you, God, I thank you for Brian. I thank you for one voice. I thank you for what you're doing through this movement, God. Father, I thank you for everyone that's on this call right now. And even just open up your hands. Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the fire of the Holy Spirit yeah, to come upon every young man, every young woman, that you would set them on fire. I ask you, God, for the spirit of prayer and for the yeah. spirit of prophecy. 
God, I ask you to awaken them with dreams in the night. God, I ask you to visit them with the spirit of prayer during the day. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the spirit of revelation that Jesus would be more fascinating than Netflix, more fascinating than Instagram, than anything that this world has to give. I pray that you would capture this generation with fascination for Jesus. Deliver us of every other vain image, every other lover. Capture us with the beauty of this man. Get it, let us get lost in the search and the discovery of him. And I pray, God, that you would awaken a treasure hunting generation that would go after the treasures found in Jesus. Amen. Amen. And Corey, thank you so much, man. Next time you're out in L.A., we got to get those tacos you weren't able to give us. You know it. You know it. Yeah, so man. Thank you, Corey. We love you so much, man. Thank you. You got it, man. And, and I'm I'm launching I'm, in this season. I feel like I'm, anyway, I'm launching a, a, a teach us to pray course. And I just want to say, where can people go? CoreyRussellOnline.com. Corey Russell, guys, if you're watching CoreyRussellOnline.com. Yeah, we're saying CoreyRussellOnline.com. And where are they going to get when they go? It's a 40 day season we're entering into, starting on Monday. Of it's called Teach Us to Pray. And we're just coming before Jesus and we're going to go on a journey together. So good. And you, and if they go to your Instagram, they can find it there too. There's yes, probably a link. Yes, yes, they can. Great, great. Awesome, Corey, love man. you so much, love man. You, man. Thank you. I will right, we'll see you. Guys.